All right. I think we're live. You want to try saying something so I can see if it's picking it up? Yes. All right, cool. Looks like we're good. Yeah. Gnarly. How are you feeling? I'm pretty good. How's the lighting? You know what? I'm going to fix the lighting a little bit. Okay. I'm sure that's riveting content for uh, a podcast. Isn't it Slice of Life? <laughs> slice of something. Yeah. Uh, how do you how do you feel sitting in the dark like this? Um, I do often. You do often? Yeah. It's well, it's meditative. Yes. Is that how you say that word? Um. Y- I don't know how else you could say that word. It's, it's difficult to say. Do Do you think that's something that we need more of? Uh, like people in general like need to meditate more. Do you, Do you feel like that would? Um, I'm I'm sure it's very great for um your mental health. Which is super important. But um, I also feel like people tend to struggle with managing their time already. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a lot of people, asking them to meditate is just stacking another half hour, hour long um, objective on their to-do list. Right. Um, it, 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 that does seem to be the conundrum is that it's, I, I feel like that in itself, it, it, it kind of showcases like this issue of how we as people, you know, kind of like manage things in front of us is that there are ways we can live better, but it's on, it literally is as you describe, like it's putting, like it's on top of a stack of things that we already have to do. Mm-hmm. And so with all that, it can be you know, overwhelming. Um, so I, I think on the question of meditation, like I, I wonder, I, I feel like we should encourage people to try it a little bit. Cause you, you, you said like an hour and I think any amount of time spent meditating is good time. Yes. Um, but it's almost like what I just, okay. What I'm describing as meditation. So you, you take time to yourself, to your thoughts to kind of, you know, figure out how you feel and where your standing is mm-hmm. like so uh, it's an explicit thought session yeah um and and i think <coughs> when when people think of meditation colloquially it's uh sitting in silence mm. uh humming to yourself humming i've <laughs> humming. never heard that mm, um oh like like whoa yeah sure yeah. something like that's something mystical or or something like that um but i don't think that's necessarily the case i i think as far pl- as identifying pl- it yeah plenty of uh daily activities can be seen as meditative i think a lot of it goes with the intention mm-hmm. um that you go into that activity with also the level of mundanity, you know, mundanity, how, how, uh, how, how easily you can slip into, um, a Zen frame of mind, mm-hmm. so, something where you're on autopilot and, uh, you're not really focusing on the task, but it's kind of doing itself. Um, so, so kind of a flow, but there's also, there's more than one way to be in that state. Cause, cause, I mean, so basically what I'm talking about is that you can be, 
on autopilot in a positive way to where you're in a sort of a zen state like you're describing but there's also like autopilot like if you're tired or you're exhausted in some way Mm -hmm. you know so um and and you sort of what you're describing is that would you consider that therapeutic or do you do you think like maybe like therapeutic actions are similar or go in line with what medit what a form of meditation is um yeah i would say it's absolutely therapeutic um a lot of people i i wouldn't necessarily say i'm one of them um find the act of you know making art ma- making something say abstract expressionist mm-hmm. creating is, creation yeah, creating is uh it's its own form of um therapy of meditation and in fact it's it's a very valid field of study is art therapy or like music therapy for sure and you know it, it's funny because it, I, I my reason for it being valid it, it goes it goes back to you know what we brought up at the start of this which is the importance of mental health mm-hmm. um and speaking of mental health there, there's it, it kind of has this weird presence in society uh in the sense that it almost feels like mental health was not measured for a long time like so mm-hmm. so people would put a label on somebody who's you know struggling through something mentally you know there's even a term for that it's like mentally ill and you know they put even harsher words on that like the r word or you know or even you know even simpler m- mundane things like you know calling people officially or med- medically being documented as more moronic mm-hmm. which i i find hilarious and i can only say that in hindsight because I'm sure that it's caused a lot of suffering, you know, when it was around. Um, but on the topic of, you know, mental health today, there is clearly um, people in general who advocate for it. Like, you know, say, you know, I grew up with Tumblr and sort of the, the like, mental suffering was sort of at the forefront because Tumblr is a, a platform for adolescent type people with the type people yeah like if you're a teenager you're a type of person i suppose um but for for adolescence you know it's when you're coming into yourself and you're you're, you've gone beyond like exploring the basic things about the world and you're starting to learn about you know some of the deeper ends and and a lot of that can be overwhelming and and not not only that like you're you're facing the pressures from uh peers in a classroom or to school uh cliques you're encountering society in this very dynamic complex positive and negative type of way Mm -hmm. you know so with you know with tumblr and with like other platforms that are sort of um you know dominated by this group of people who are fully aware of mental struggle you know that's when i feel like mental health started to enter the mainstream more um and and, and, you know i'm young i'm a young person so i don't know too much about what the world looked like in in the 70s 80s or 90s um I do know for a while depression wasn't acknowledged. It was more of a side thing than a main thing, you know, and it, and it's kind of like, we, like we'd have this idea that um, like, Oh, we're down in the dumps and we need like some kind of uh, easy, not, not an easy, or there's some kind of like direct solution to it. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the cases if you if you even kind of look into 
solving mental things is that there's a lot more that goes into it than anything a simple solution can provide because you're, you're struggling, you know, through an emotion and this, you got to this point because of where you were previously and how you reacted to that and all the circumstances in, in your environment and all the things that are happening to you, including those that are out of your control. And so it's basically a whirlwind of things. And what you see at the end of it is, you know, somebody that is struggling or some type of suffering, right? You know, because I, 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 I want to kind of be inclusive to all types of people here and the experience that they go through. And I want to, you know, affirm that, you know, that there are real people with real feelings in this world. Sure. And, and uh, yeah. And, and the only whole reason why I say that, because I don't think we think they're fake or anything like that. I just think, you know, when I'm when I'm down, one thing that I want is validation. Like I want to know that that there are people that the world is there for me in some way, you know, whether that world is internal or external, you know. And so like that, that's something that kind of, you know, it, 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 I think it facilitates uh, satisfaction more. And, th- and this goes on, you know, I, I think this. This is uh, this is somewhat related to when, when you brought up like the, the kind of stack that are on people's list of objectives, right? Mm-hmm. Like the amount of things they have to do and the time window they have. This all goes in into that you know mental health type of thing. Um, but the, all of this digress from like the original point of the presence of mental health discussion. Yeah. Um. So I would say a lot of that. Um, is factored or balanced rather um, around advocacy and Mm -hmm. um, the feedback loop that it creates. So say, you know, before the internet, there were advocacy groups hitting the mainstream, um, pushing for autism awareness. Mm -hmm. And And the mainstream was different before the internet. And that's an important thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in a very at, dress, dramatic way. At that point, um, I, I would say how it was hitting the mainstream was uh, through, like, say, TV talk shows. Mm. Those are huge in the 90s. Um, I was born a few years before you, and so I have, like, fairly distinct memories of the 90s, mm. uh, particularly the late 90s. Um, and... Uh, First of all, if you were a kid and you stayed home from school, you would discover that all TV during the daytime was garbage. <laughs> um, you had to watch talk shows or Jerry Springer. <laughs> and uh, um, So advocacy was being very, very much pushed for autism awareness. And through that advocacy... Um, more and more research was going into autism. And so, you know, our understanding of it is very, very nuanced now Mm. because it's been pushed for two decades. Um, And, and, you know, I I would say fighting for autism um, creates a very, very natural feedback loop. Makes us feel good, partly because I, I would say we infantilize autistic people a lot of the time i think some people do but but i i don't think we push for to support i don't think we push to advocate for you know uh positive support because um 
I, I think the reason why we do it is because we're compassionate and empathetic as people. Like, is that, cause I See. think we, in general, okay, so there, there are people who do, in, they, they infantis, 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 how do you say that word? Infantilize? Infantilize? Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll so so we're, we're going to actually, we're about to fork into a different conversation. <laughs> One that I am very passionate about, which mm. is, uh, what is altruism? Mm. Um, which uh to to loosely define altruism is the um the drive and act of doing something for the benefit of someone else is that a real thing um, how, how much does the cost of it factor into it because what oh, sorry uh, not, not just the cost but the the result of doing that because there, there is a such thing as doing something that's for a great community and at the same time, you reap benefits because of that. So, yeah. like, where do we draw the boundaries of what altruism is? But do benefits have to be physical? Um, do do they have to be something someone else is giving back to you? Or is it something that you feel internally as you do something to benefit from someone else? So, you know, is, helping, you... is helping your neighbor going to make you feel better? I would say, uh, unless you're, you know, a sociopath, it absolutely should and um i i think that's one of the building blocks of a community is that there is something naturally inherent in um doing something for your fellow mankind that makes you feel good um do, do you think the 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 reason on why it feels good um do you think it'd be fair to use uh evolution to describe why or or maybe like it's it's something that's more um, what what's 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 the word uh, emergent? Do you think think it's something that's emergent from complexity rather than you know something that was selected uh, through you know uh, uh, physical forces? I um I do think it's um you know it's probably a little bit of both, <laughs> but I I would say it's very very much evolutionarily driven. You know we're not the only species. Um, that's been found to show altruism. In fact, there are um, species of animal that probably show it to a much greater extent than than humanity does. You know, would you argue that you know bees who you know sort of uh, uh, fight and die for the co eco sorry fight and die for the colony? Would you describe that as altruism? Because um, I think one thing we can say for certain is that it's a sense of duty and. Uh, and and one of the things about altruism is like there there's there's so much to define there. Yeah. You know. I uh, I I wouldn't say it's duty. I think that's a very very human concept. Mm, so you think it's anthropomorphizing it? Yeah. Yeah, that is. I, and and I think I think that's um, you know that that's it's it's very tough to discuss things like altruism, duty, honor, mm. that kind of thing with the animal kingdom, because you know. Their mechanics they, are so different. Their mechanics are different. Their concepts, their, their, I, um, their, their mythologies are not human mythologies. I like uh, that. I like the way you, I like the way you put that. Because um, it, you know, it, it's it's sort of um, it's something that gives credit that often isn't acknowledged. You know, in your every day is is sort of what what mythology is and really what a myth is to us you know cause i mean i think the word the word has you know uh sort of i don't want to say negative connotation but but sort of the type of connotation where like you use that word to write somebody somebody's opinion off 
but the, I think the thing about like myth is that it's it's a story that has a feeling that really resonates with us, and it's a story that relates to what reality, or at least what we understand reality, mm-hmm. and how we understand it. And there, there's something powerful about that because it's a perception beyond, uh, you know, or a perception other than the the the, the alternate ways we can measure something, right? So I mean, you can measure something using like a physical ruler, um, or you could uh you know, measure something using whatever science you have in mind, right? Uh, but there's also, like, the, the sort of science of, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I lovingly refer to something like this as being spiritual, mm-hmm. but I understand that that has a lot of, like, woo-woo connotation with it in society. Because, you know, yeah. people, the word is kind of, like, it's it's ambiguous, like spiritual is. Yeah, I, I would say intentionally so. I, I mm. think that spiritualism... Or you know you could call it faith, is um you, you, it's, you it's, equate those it, uh, more or less hmm. it, it's it's a um it, it it's a extra dimensional feeling that you get hmm. um that tells you that there is something beyond your perception that um kind of drives things um, outside of your control. Um, so I I sort of call that fate but at the same time i feel like the things that are within the bounds of where we can make decisions is also included in fate for me mm-hmm. um but as far as like the world driving people beyond their control i mean we're, we're all a victim of circumstance uh and you know we, i mean people have and will continue to argue about what free will is um speaking of i mean do you believe in free will yeah sure how do you define it um so you know, I I I I come from come at this from a very scientific standpoint. Mm. I um um very uh atheistic leaning agnostic. Um uh, and I would say, you know, we make a lot of decisions based on our evolutionary programming, um the chemicals in our bodies, um but at the end of the day, I don't think that describes the whole story. And I, I, then, I know you're, yeah. you're, you're getting to. But that. at the end of the day, um, through our individual experience, that's irrelevant. Mm. What what we do in our day to day, we feel. Right. Um, we experience, and the people around us experience, mm. um, as being things that we do, and so, um, yes. The shorthand answer is I do believe in free will. <laughs> I, I, I've heard a, a powerful argument um, that's against a certain type of idea of what free will is. And that's like the uh, to be honest, I, I'm not going to be able to do this argument justice. But there there are you know, there is this belief that, you know, everything's predetermined um, and you can s- sort of I wouldn't say you can prove it with physics, but you can create a very logical reasoning on you know how everything happens as a reaction to other things sure and you know and 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 that's like because of that inescapable fact that we're not literally conjuring the will that's before us we're sort of um you know acting within the bounds of our circumstance yeah so this is um in, in a way very similar to the concept that we would be in some sort of simulation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay, and, and I think everybody it, makes an argument it, about limits and constraints equals like 
you know, uh, the sort of box of like programming. But at the same time, though, like the, the this box doesn't like. I mean, where is the boundary of this box? Mm-hmm. But no, sorry, what, what were you gonna say yeah. about simulation? So, so there's this idea that cosmically we are, you know, out everything's out of our control. Everything's pre-programmed. It's it's going to happen how it's happening. But mm. th- that's not part of our individual experience. Like, mm. like even even so far as the nihilist way of looking at things, you know, in that cosmically we're less than a, a grain of sand. Um, which, which honestly, like, I, if, if if people are satisfied and it makes them happy to believe that, and I support that. But you know, I will sort of you know fight against pessimistic nihilism. Yeah, I I appreciate that nihilism aims to simplify. And, you know, mm-hmm. with simplification comes, you know, like, less to worry about, and that's good. Um, but but at the same time, though, like, there is meaning, and things do have substance, and, you know, we should feel empowered by that. Yeah. I, I um, so I feel nihilism as far as to embrace absurdism, which is that, mm. yeah, that's, sure. <laughs> sure, we're, like, cosmically insignificant. But who cares? <laughs> what does that matter? It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. I, you know, we experience things from moment to moment. Not we. We don't experience the grand continuum of time space. We don't. Um, right. We don't see well, the not, not not from a top down perspective. Anyways, because yeah. um, I mean, like, to play, like we, to play we devil's have... advocate here, like you know, we can experience it as you know maybe a cog wood in a machine, you know. Yeah, you uh, and you know, we we have our you know historical chronicles, mm-hmm. um, but I would say even then, when we look at history, we we look at it in a very empathetic way, um, where we don't we don't see ancient Egyptians as like, um, you know, this race of beings we have nothing in common with we Mm. we kind of self-insert ourselves in them you know um to the point where i don't think we realize the egyptian society lasted you know three thousand years this was something i i actually kind of read and had an epiphany on today is that three thousand years yeah that's a long time for cleo cleopatra uh it has more on a time scale in common with us than she does with say like earlier ancient pharaohs mm, I, like I, I, i've heard i've heard about or is the the, the, the uh, construction of the pyramids right is, do i got that correct the pharaoh like so you mentioned the pharaoh and i haven't researched into this but i heard something about the timeline how cleopatra is closer to human civilization today than she was to um I almost want to say the construction of the Great Pyramids. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you know it's it's absolutely wild that like like their civilization lasted long enough that they had archaeologists in their civil civilization researching themselves. I think that's what they're going to say about us later. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we already kind of are in a, a very imperialistic way, in you know the reclaiming of of native american artifacts of um you know yeah and, that, and so that's taking it on a large scale and observing you know civilization in a broad aspect you know sort of uh outside the complex instruments of our current day mm-hmm. 
Um, but also, you know, when it comes to examining ourselves, I think we even do the do it in a small time scale as like looking at today with social media versus the day you know before social media. Right. You know, like even even that, you know, I would I would argue that that that's a uh, venture of, of archaeology. Okay. Yeah. Um. Because I mean, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, isn't archaeology is just kind of like you're 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 researching history, you're seeing what you can figure out based on the evidence that's before you. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I feel de- definition though. Like we very much veered off <laughs> whatever we were talking about. So well, it went. It started at mental health, and it went. Mm. Uh, you know, a couple. Here's the here's the funny thing. Um, we haven't even introduced ourselves. Yeah. The, the world's probably like, who who are these people just yeah. talking? Is this your first uh, episode, Colby? It's um no, it's not. It's not my first episode. Um, it might be the second one that's published. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm Colby. This is my podcast. Uh, current name is Colbcast. It might it might be the final name. Let's see. I'm uh, speaking with my friend Pat here. Hey, I'm Pat O'Brien. Uh, um, very cute name, sir. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um and uh you know pat here is a good artist oh i'm glad you think so <laughs> I, I, do, I do think so you really know how to um you know you, you you can sculpt you can create paintings like you're you're even um you know training training yourself to learn how to you know tattoo like you're gaining skills which is something that i see as admirable and i think that's something we should all work towards in life is to better yourself you know become a better version than you were and like whatever you feel like you want to do in life you should work towards that and you know just keep working at it and keep improving um Mm -hmm. and i would even go further to say is that don't don't even concern yourself with the expectation of others and only focus on your goals and what they mean to you yeah i would i would agree with that in a large um portion i would say um with making art you do have to be at least somewhat socially aware um depends on the art yeah it depends on the art depends on whether or not you want to sell it um in the past i've very intentionally made um unsettling art um a lot of stuff inspired by uh, horror movies or you know the horrific nature of human existence in general. Yeah, it's a lot um, of body horror and grotesque stuff. Yeah. which which is you know I, I I mean that in the most loving way I possibly can. Oh no 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 I um like a lot of it was very much inspired by the works of Cronenberg. Um, you know, uh, very much body horror. Um, uh, I I've always said one of my uh, main goals in art is to. Uh, show a body tearing itself itself apart mm. um it's like the it's like the perfect imagery because that, that's something that we're fascinated with what what do you where do you think that fascination comes from so i think uh dark humor also comes into this like but the, the sort of like body horror dark like horrific stuff like we seem attracted to in when it comes to the art scene mm-hmm. you know it's like obviously when it comes to um actions that are committed to people like we want we want the horrific nowhere near that but when it comes to like you know like art that is like there to be you know in you know indulged in 
that that's that's something that we kind of enjoy under the table you know so what but what do you think that fascination is um so i i've always said that horror has its basis in human psychology it's Mm -hmm. uh very much about um the things that we are subconsciously averse to um say like facial pareidolia we developed that what is skill. that what's facial um, it's it's the ability to identify faces and things where there are none um hmm. i didn't i didn't even know they had a name <laughs> yeah <laughs> um that's a skill that we developed um to be more aware of our surroundings when searching or, or, or defending against predators that kind of thing right, in the so wild that's um or, or say on the opposite side of things, the uncanny valley, when we see something that looks like a face, but not quite as one, mm. uh, like that's why we're afraid of clowns. The, um, that's why we're afraid do, do you, of. Do you think that's? Uh, do you think the clown thinks? I would, I would make the argument that the that fear of clowns, while while I do think can be derived from it being uncanny valley, I would guess that the main thing going on with that is. Is that there? There, it's obs- the intentions are obscured. Like, why is it that I can't make out, you know, uh, regular, normal types of the, the facial expressions that I'm used to being able to ascertain? Like, you know, that type of yeah. stuff. Yeah, and and that that so, you know so, uh, that that obscuring it. Yeah, yeah, that comes back to the uncanny valley. Does it? Yes. Um, you know, there's also the argument to be made that it's about the perversion of something that's. Uh, meant for children it's it's a it's a safe experience mm. for children and it's being perverted in some kind of way horrifically right. you know to the extent that it was in real life with say like john wayne gacy oh yeah um but uh how, how much do you think john wayne gacy influenced the fear of clowns uh, oh i would say Boston? very much um in in a grander way, I would say he's very much partly the reason why uh, like clowning has faded into obscurity. It's I I don't I don't. It's think, unfortunate in some ways. I yeah, think. I can't think of a single child now that would be happy that you called a clown in for his fifth birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, you know, so so as somebody, I was born uh, in 1998, and when I was growing up, I didn't know anything about John Wayne Gacy or or killer clowns or anything like that. But actually, funny I say that because one, there was a video game that I had growing up that had a clown, and I, I don't know if you've heard of Twisted, Twisted Metal. Yeah, Twisted Metal. <laughs> yeah. Had a, what, what was his name? Um, I can't I, remember. It it's something face. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, it, it, like I always thought he looked cool, but I never cared about clowns and like real life like to me that was a character in a video game because like, i distinguished those when i was like little like i mean because i mean I, kids are humans are smart and that, mm-hmm. that's something that people don't realize in general is, is that you know like w- like when they kind of treat children like they're stupid or whatever they're not they're just not aware of everything going on in the world you know yeah. but, but but like they they know like which is which which is why there's plenty of kids playing call of duty but there's not so many people like shooting up places because of that as much as you know i think some um people would argue that video games cause violence i would think not i think 
it's the opposite. I think, you know, violent people would be drawn to a violent type of video game, but not necessarily that the game creates like the violent person. Yeah. You funny know? story. Uh, just a funny aside. <laughs> I was actually uh, a, a part of a study on the connection between video games and violence. Really? Yeah. Um, in college, they they had us play Call of Duty. Just regular average Joe students or did, or just people did, playing Call of Duty. Did they did they have y'all played the that scene in the campaign? No. Where you're I think it's like you shoot civilians or something like I don't know anything no. about it. No. They uh made us just jump into an online hobby <laughs> <laughs> which was the worst thing. I can imagine. Cuz uh like the the um learning curve for online Call of Duty is like excessive. Um <laughs> you not, like not, you'll spawn not the, in not and, mention and immediately die. <laughs> not 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 the, not the not the mention the kids screaming expletives about your mom. Yeah. So I think um, what they were specifically trying to measure was how stressed, angry, frustrated you got when playing a violent video game. But I think you know, I think even that doesn't correlate with whether or not someone would commit to a violent action. Yeah. I I think. Um. There, there was no nuance to mm. the type of game that it is. Like, say, if you're playing Mad World, that would be a um. I feel a much more legit study because that game has a natural learning curve. It's a story-based video game. It's not hard, so, so you're not, but it's also extremely violent. So, so, so you're saying like, in a game like Mad World, where you're not fighting the mechanics, yeah, like that. So where. That barrier is not there, and you can just can you, can you kind of get to the point, the idea itself, and whether or not that idea influences, you know, young minds. Uh, you know, and and honestly, there's this game that came out, you know, that it was called a uh, hatred. Mm, I, I, I do recall. Yeah, and it and it was controversial, um, like by design. It was like one of those games where like the the protag like the protagonist, the character you play as, I, I don't know if you call it protagonist, maybe in some way, um, like literally has a hatred for people in the world and so like that game is literally you know it's like you're it's a it's, you're literally playing a mass shooter like shooting yeah. like civilians and and like regular people and like that type of game well i wouldn't argue that it creates violent people i would say that people who like are sort of sensitive to violence don't really care about the game like i'm in that camp like i don't really like i don't like the concept that the yeah. game stands for I, and on top I of that's agree. And, it's and virtue signaling in a way. Yeah, and and you'll well, maybe not. You know, if not if you look virtue, into it, you know what I'm saying. Um, that game didn't do well. You know, I mean, it's it's it's, it's very basic. Yeah, That's, it's it's um, it's specifically for the crowd, the very niche crowd that it was made for. Um, in, in the same way that like a torture simulator was, people aren't just like the, going out and playing torture simulator. Well, actually, I think children are. I, I played a torture simulator like when I was in school. It was on a flash game, and I had a bunch of friends that would play torture simulators. Okay. And and um, one thing, when I have conversations with people out in the world, and uh, like children do a lot of like things to figure stuff out and explore the world, and some of it's weird social things. Yeah, but uh, it's like they don't. Do Do you think that's you know? Do you think that's uh, that you s sought that out in the same way that like. Say, you know, when I was an adolescent, um, birth of YouTube, that uh, 
lawless land mm-hmm. um beheading videos everywhere and so you know was there, kit- was there like that graphic stuff on YouTube? yes <laughs> i didn't know that yeah uh, and, and you know every once in a while that kind of thing still slips by mm. but um definitely not not like it was oh for sure i can definitely imagine that i mean just with the sheer content uh, i mean especially like the way the youtube formula is yeah. today i I, w- I would say you know there those shock sites still exist I would say that there's a like like a burgeoning uh, interest in it. Actually, uh, a new blooming interest in it. Um, in what graphic content? Graphic content. Yeah. Um, Is it da- blooming, da- or do you think it's always been there? Uh, I I wouldn't say it's always been there. I I would say it's more accessible now. Um, not because it isn't on YouTube. But, uh, but because everything's more accessible. Yeah. In this digital world. Yeah. Right? You know, you can just jump on Reddit to I. I bletch. Uh, actually, you might want to bleep that out. If, okay. Uh, you know, if you um. All right. We'll, want, we'll, want, we'll yeah. get we'll, we'll get around. Get you around can you can jump later. onto Redacted, and um, <laughs> I, I mean, I was I bleach is a good subreddit though. I love I bleach. Uh, yeah. Like, is it you see like cute stuff and like you know kittens? Oh, and sure, sure, sure. Kitten, like animals, but uh, you know. In the YouTube community now, there's like a whole sub community of dark content creators, you know, mm-hmm. uh, disturbing film um, conglomerates, uh, which, you know, there are plenty of uh, disturbing film that's still incredibly wonderful art in its own way. Um, right, right. And but, but um, you know, there's but, plenty but, but, but of like disturbing with... film that's also just shock value. <laughs> it's like with any, take literally anything. And it is a bunch of units, a bunch of individual things like there's going to be a portion of it that is categorized one way. And maybe that one way is categorized as positive. There's a portion of it is categorized as negative, maybe positive, negative, maybe say good and bad. Yeah. And like tasteful and not tasteful. Yeah. Um, and um, one point that I would like to make, you know, is that with, with any kind of shocking content, the um, return that you get off of that, whether it be shock and awe, you know terror um mm. it's it's a diminishing experience because you know there's you build a, a up thing a tolerance, tolerance yeah. yeah um whether, whether that's real gore you know mm. you're you're naturally going to seek out harder and harder stuff if that's something you're into um and, and you know, or the, the or, funny you know. thing about so like the, i kind of want to talk about the slippery slope a little bit here and like how much i want to say it doesn't exist and it's only there as a kind of like in like if if you're looking at it in a certain way because i've always heard you know to, i guess like we're going we've been in the explicit territory here but like i've always when it comes to porn i've always heard that you know uh like you know you start vanilla and then you get like crazier and crazier right that's but, not true yeah it's, it's, it's not uh, true for me and it's not true for anybody you, that you I have know. to have a specific kind of addictive personality to fall into the slippery slope um, category, which is why, you know, um, you know, like people that do drugs, they, that, that do very hard drugs. Um, they, they can fall into harder drugs because, um, the, the return that they're getting off of, off of their high is, is lessening so that they need, they need to up the dosage. It's the same with porn. I, I I wouldn't say it's necessarily harder porn, but maybe like more off, more frequently you're watching it. But but also, you know, porn and drugs are two different things. Like, are they could, though? 
in some ways they 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 there are parallels in some ways they overlap excuse me Excuse me. They overlap in, in, in some of the ways that they're addictive. There are some drugs, um, probably most of them actually, that have uh, chemical reper- repercussions. Yes. Yeah. So, uh. so like, it, uh, a lot of the, um, you know, need to indulge in it comes from like a, a physical demand, where something like porn or, or other types of things like porn, it, it's just an idea in your head. And I don't mean to dis- dis- diminish the power of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, that it's more of like a kind of it's an impulse, it's a mental impulse rather than a, a, I, I a physical necessity. I wouldn't say it's just that though. It, um, you're correct. The, the, you're your, correct. Your brain is being flooded with endorphins when when you blow your load. Mm. Um, <laughs> I see what you're and, saying. And um, I I I do think you know same as like when you're smoking weed, you know. When, when you're playing video games, um, if you fall into that habitual addiction, you are going to get... Nice resonance, bro. <laughs> you are going to get... Um, see, see yourself having diminishing returns. Mm. See yourself doing it more often. Um, but that's not everybody. I, yeah. I would say that's a very small portion of people. Uh, same with, like, gambling video games. Mm-hmm. Um, like... like in-app purchase games, but there's also like function totally on that very, very infinitesimally small crowd of people. I don't know if it's such a small crowd of people when it comes to gambling. Like when it comes to, um, so with gambling, now we're we're instead of, like we're getting into a risk reward dynamic. Yeah, more uh, so than a like. So so in, when indul- I say indulgence it. is different than um you know the 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 sort of like chemical rush you get get from reaping a great reward from a risk that you took the yeah. exciting thing that you've done and now there's a reward for it like because it's, it's not like there's a reward for like any maybe with drugs is similar maybe but something like um you know i mean we're do, doing like porn it's like there's not so much a reward as much as you're enjoying just kind of the journey but i was i haven't studied what's like i'm not actually looking at anything i'm just yeah. like in my head <laughs> <laughs> um like when it comes to gambling, uh, there I I would guess that there is just kind of like th- there's a really big feeling when you get that big win, you know. Mm-hmm. And and th- and something about me, I know nobody asked, obviously. Like 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 to take that mean, no one, literally no one, Colby, uh, <laughs> said I don't like gambling because I just I hate the feeling of losing like that. Oh like, yeah, I yeah. I want to lose because of my skill. Like, be, be, I want to lose and see it as a challenge to get better. Now, like, when I lose in gambling, it was all luck. And it's just like, well, the only thing I put into this was excitement, you know, and, and you know, the, the, the reward is uh, flaccidity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so, like, I just, I I did a lottery ticket. I bought a lottery ticket once because I was, like, out with a friend. I did it, you know, uh, for the heck of it. And, I, and, like, I didn't win anything. I was like, oh, that's garbage. And I never played it again. And I don't like the way gambling is handled in most games loot boxes are okay as long as like i can get them by regularly playing yeah and, and you know uh when when i was saying gambling video games i was specifically talking like gotcha games like the mobile but yeah, but, it, but mo- also mobile in-app purchase games yes it's also just kind of infiltrated into the mainstream like everything's kind of have like as somebody who plays games 
um, you know, pretty regularly. I play, you know, a few different games like here and there. Not as much, not quite as much as I used to, but I, I, I think I'm still very much of a gamer nerd than, you know, if you sampled somebody random off the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm trying to remember the darn point I was gonna <laughs> gonna make. Um, but no, oh yeah, so like, it, it, like what has seeped into the mainstream is sort of the same type of battle pass and. And, you know, like get you to log in for the day, mm-hmm. and um, and then there's some kind of like roulette you can play to to you know it's gambling in a in a sense you know so you can like win this item or this cosmetic thing, and it, and this is it really has infiltrated into the and when I say infiltrated into the mainstream I mean like like sample like a bunch of games that are like just in the public right now like at least at least half of them will have that same formula to it that it, it's it's kind of the same thing going on with gambling. I don't know what to call it. Maybe, maybe it'll have that same type of gambling formula to it. I think that's how I'm going to word it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to um, round back to um, the, this kind of topic of dimi- diminishing um, uh, reception for, for like shot content, mm. dark content. Yeah, that, that was an um, interesting thread, actually. Um, is that... Uh, for for dark art, for shocking art, to I I would say stay fresh. It has to have that um so, something valuable underlining the shot content. Um, what do you think that valuable thing is? Well, uh, something that speaks to say society to personal experience. Um, I I would say it's uh so so it's, so you're watching like um like a horror movie. And the thing uh, that that kind of like speaks to you, um, well, th- there's so there's some horror movies that are, that take into account you know this kind of like the horror you find in society of, you know how phones are used. Yeah. So are you referring to like you know kind of like the weird way, you know, you could receive a text message or something? No, like or just the weird individuals you encounter out there. So when you see like a horror mo- horror film in this instance. You know, it's that that kind of speaks to you and lets you have that cathartic feeling about it, rather than having the existential dread of reality. Is that what you're saying? Or? Um, yeah, I'll I'll use uh two examples. Okay. Of of uh films. I didn't mean to carry it way out. No, there, no, but... no, it's fine. Um, so so there's a uh, this disturbing horror iceberg mm-hmm. uh, of films. You know, it's got it's, it's always got, an iceberg. Uh, and why is it never a lava berg? A, a lot of. <laughs> A lot of those movies are absolute garbage. Mm-hmm. Like they're disturbing. They have disturbing content, but just not well made. Yeah, they're not well made. Um, and maybe no passion but, in it. You know, there's there's also like boundary pushing stuff. I would say like, um, tumbling doll of flesh, flesh, flowers of flesh and blood. Those those kinds of pseudo snuff movies that were coming out of Japan, um, in the early uh, no, J- I was gonna is- say early aughts, but I, I think they were definitely er, much earlier than that. Probably like late eighties, early nineties. Um, it's about the same time as uh, was it Ichi the Killer? No, it was much earlier than Ichi the Killer. When did Ichi the Killer come out? Uh, I thought that was eighties. I, I thought that was in the no that 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 had to have been in the two thousands. Really? There's like CGI. In it. <laughs> are are you talking about the manga or or the film? I you know either I don't either know way a whole lot about the it. film. Each of the killer is on that iceberg. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I have I have mixed feelings on that movie. 
I I like some parts of it. Do you think um, it's like too much glorified violence? Mm, no, uh, I would I would uh, my my personal opinion is that it has conflicting tones. Mm. Um, so so they're like it does have a ton of violence in it, but some of that violence is pretty hilarious. <laughs> like uh, there's a scene where he makes like a room full of people essentially explode into guts and uh then he starts slipping on all the guts and it's like very very <laughs> slapstick funny um but then there's very very realistic um like very believable violence towards women just being beaten mm. um and what do you think the artist uh, was trying to say you know um, i example? i th- i think you know it, it was made by takashi miike um mm. Who's made? Uh, I, I would say um, some absolute classics like Audition, um, incredibly good film. Um, but I, I would say he was what he was attempting to do was make those scenes of horrific domestic violence very, very uh, shocking and um, kind of you know, amplify the reality of that. And, and um, give the audience ju- a chance to empathize with Yeah, the... it just didn't do it for me. Did because you... because that would happen and then we go straight back to slapstick violence. Mm. And um Yeah, so I, it's two different territories. Yeah. And and on one one end you're trying to empath with it and the other end like you're just trying to watch a fun romp. Yeah. And know? and you know, to uh to kind of counterpoint that, I also saw a movie called Snowtown. Hmm. Um, it was an Australian film about uh, uh, one of the most prolific serial killers in Australia. Hmm. Um, Who was that? I can't remember his name, but um, he he essentially roped members of his own community into aiding and abating him and killing uh, people that he thought were gay. Uh, people that he thought were trans, um, just so, people he didn't like. So he had a cult, and he felt like he was on a a mission to purge. Yeah, yeah, and and this was around the time that there was a lot of community outcry on on like pedophiles preying on uh, young boys in the mm-hmm. community. Um, so they, you know, they so, felt so, very so, justified in doing this. Something interesting that's happening today. So I, I know this is a tangent. Sorry about that. I just want to say this real quick. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, we're kind of seeing the, um, you know, pedophiles in between the community resurface a bit. I mean, I guess it's always kind of been there, like a talk, at least a talking point, but you know, like, uh, now people are talking about, um, groomers. Yeah. Sorry to hit the mic. Um, and you know, and and it's sort of that same concept of, uh, I I guess it's a, it's a, it's a type of fear mongering. Yeah. And I, there, you know, there is, um, like grooming is something that actually happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say, uh, much easier now because you can do so online. You can, you can and groom someone online. And people are very involved with online communities. Yes. Very. Um, and I would say that's also why, you know, there's this resurgence in, um, awareness of, pedophile rings is because the layman is getting ever more adept at using the internet infiltrating these groups 
uh, finding these things, well, you know? M- most of investigation is gathering data. Like, what happens if when you have an easily accessible point where everybody can get the same data? And it's, it's like, very, you know, it covers a lot. Like, it's, I mean, yeah. I, th- I think, and, th- and on top of that, you know, you have, like, everybody's has their own type of mind and way of thinking. And, you know, so you can get kind of this, like, out-of-the-box method, uh, you yeah, know, from anywhere. I, uh, so you know, it's efficient it, is what it, I'm trying to say. You know, if if they were smart and, you know, pedophiles are you know barring being pedophiles mm. normal stupid laymen like the rest of us yeah like they they make uh that, humans, that's how that's how they get with, caught humans with potential for craziness that that's how they get caught is they're just as non-adept at using the internet as anybody else is mm. and um so a lot of them don't use a tor browser uh, and and meet in chat rooms unlisted on the internet. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are just using Facebook Messenger <laughs> or, or something like that, and that's why they're getting caught so much. Yeah. Uh, or, or even like, uh, there, there's honestly, there's a lot of um. W- one thing I found is that people who will go against, you know, who are rather like don't care about uh social ethics like are often just bold enough to be physically apparent about it, mm-hmm. um, which blows my mind. You know, I, on on one hand, you know, I, I truly, you know, resent people who exploit other human beings in that sort of way. Um, on the other hand, I'm happy that they're at the forefront so we can like deliver justice to them, you know, uh, and, 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 that, and that kind of speaks to the greater problem of like all the people who are in the underworld. And what to even do about that? Yeah, you know? uh, but rounding back off to <laughs> Snowtown. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so part of part of why I, I would say it's so effective to me is um, totally it's a very bleak movie, but uh, like everything and it's it's not at odds with itself. The tone is only ever being reinforced through the actions of its characters. Through the presentation, there's no music, um, which is an artistic choice. Yes, sometimes. Is. I mean, other times where it's like, why didn't you include a score? Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, there, there is a very there. There are a couple of extremely graphic scenes in it um, that that I would say are are interspersed in a, in a way that they hit harder. You know, mm. there there's a um, emotionally or like shock, both. Both. Um, yeah, there's a, a a scene where his um, the main character's brother rapes him. Oh man! And um, like it both comes out of nowhere, and um, upon rewatching it, like it, you can feel the tension as it's mm. about to happen. I actually love when a story does that. I mean, not the specifically brother raping brother part, but <laughs> I love when a story it has, uh, you know, kind of... Where it, it's as it's presented, and, you know, something seems to come, like, out of the blue as a surprise or what have you, and then on a, you know, on a second watch, you realize that it was always primed to be that way. Yeah. Like, uh, I've seen, like, a, you know, fantastic examples of that there was this one movie that i watched i'm trying to darn remember it's slipping uh top of my mind so continue what you're saying um 
It's in town. Highly recommend it. Mm. Um, I will warn you, though, it's uh, like like the accents are extremely heavy Australian accents. And it's fine. Um, it's the okay DVD, for people to talk differently than me. The DVD does not include subtitles. So um, you will not understand a lot of it. <laughs> that makes it, uh, you know, it, what, what's really funny is uh, I'm sure that there are, there are people out there that it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, you go across the seas and it's like, of course, you're not going to understand. But you don't even have to go across the seas. There, there are people in the United States that have such different dialect where it's like, oh, yeah, like what the heck you know, are they talking about? It's the yeah. same anywhere else. You yeah. know, there, there are people in Britain that other British people just do not understand what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to that point, I do want to show respect to, you know, different cultures. You know, yeah, it's all it's like I talk about these things, you know, with, with love. As long as like you're being somebody that you know, as long as you're being reasonable and you have ethics and you're moral, then you know I appreciate I appreciate you, appreciate you Pat and I appreciate anybody listening. Because you're, pro- you're pro- probably a good person. <laughs> probably don't presume. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're talking about uh you know kind of like the human people's fascination with dark like subject like you know dark and the dark and horrific mm-hmm. you know um and then you're explaining like the iceberg of what would you label this iceberg uh disturbing films iceberg disturbing films iceberg. Yeah. yeah you know you got your crown jewels like august underground which i still haven't seen but mm. unearthed is about to re-release the trilogy which is a big deal that, um, that sounds exciting for, for yes the cop- copies of of the the like actual non-ripped dvds go on ebay for like 60 bucks Mm. um uh you know you got your martyrs which i would say is an extremely good film um deals with trauma um uh, extremely violent but also extremely tense Mm. um you know you got your serbian film probably the most i think i've 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 heard of um serbian film also not necessarily a good movie mm, I, I you know it, it it's it's funny because um there's a, there's a youtube channel that i like uh, uh dead meat okay um it's a uh, james age denise and uh some you know sometimes like uh, he makes content with his uh girlfriend too i keep sorry i, I wish i could give more respect I, I can't remember her name at the moment but anyways like they they have a podcast and like they talk about you know uh some of the stuff and like he's a he he and and um you know and and his girlfriend wife actually these people are huge fans of ho- the horror industry and they and like all the content they make you know you can just like, feel the love you know uh, uh, like emanating from it mm-hmm. you know because they um he, he makes these videos like uh about like you know a, a horror usually a slasher it's, they're called like kill counts right so origi- okay. originally yeah, yeah, yeah originally they were you know kind of like you know going through like awesome kills and horror movies or whatever but what he's always done he's always done this in every one of his videos he would talk about the actors their experience and then he would talk about some trivia about the movies mm-hmm. always interesting stuff and like you know um like the the dynamics between the people playing these characters you know some of the like some of the effort that went into making these uh you know complex scenes and props and all that and then, like, uh, lately his channel's really, uh, like, evolved into diving more into the details around, like, the film. 
um while like you know the kill counts is still kind of on the like the, the kills themselves are taking more of a sideline you know okay. but still appreciated uh because th- there is a lot of work that goes into you know showing what this stuff is now i, I i've had a i've had a friend that's giving me a weird look for enjoying this kind of thing but for me like uh like there's clear it's the work of a craftsman to produce like content like this. Yeah, like, I, I, I would agree. Um, yeah. you know, that, that's, uh, my, my initial gateway into, uh, I, I would say disturbing cinematography. was Cronenberg. film or Cronenberg. Um, and- yeah. Yeah. And, uh, there, there's definitely like an inherent intrigue on like how he could pull out these great effects, you know? Oh yeah. Um, and arguably my favorite movie ever, uh, Videodrome, uh, there, there's a scene where a man is shot with a, a gun that shoots cancer, and so, mm. uh, he just explodes in on the floor into like, like these cancer postules popping out of his stomach and chest that sounds and, gnarly. and face. And um, it, was that done practically? It was all done practically. Um, wow. And uh, so how they how they rigged it was they had a a reproduction of his body with the face you know opened it, up and it always starts with reproducing the body and um <laughs> it, it was set on top of this hollowed out pedestal mm. um and they had like 10 actors or not actors 10 10 uh crew members inside of this pedestal with their fingers poking up um really? through through like a um like a silicone film and it's like covered in blood and stuff, and they just like wiggle so the, their fingers, so and it looks bubble. like un- undulating, bubbling guts and stuff. That is ingenious. Yeah, and and um, you know, like you you could talk about um, like the thing, the amount of production work that went into that movie mm. is incredible. Um, you said this is Videodrome. Yeah, Videodrome. Um, there's a a a store in Atlanta, a, a movie rental shop in Atlanta. Um, called Videodrome. I, I I've seen it. It's um, it's right near Moreland, right? Yes. Oh no, no, it's, no. It's, um, uh, Ponce, Ponce de Leon Avenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. Um, my favorite place in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just hope we're not doxxed. <laughs> oh, should I not have said that? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a joke. Um, because I mean, you know, good people listen to this kind of thing, right? They can't. They can't see the head motions, Pat. Oh, true. They don't know what we're looking. Yeah, really I guess you got to get a camera. I have a webcam, but and I think it would suffice. I just I don't know where I'd set up. Maybe like there, get like a. So, I mean, when when I get more production value, you know, if this if this thing ever blows up, well, actually, you know, my oh, my look, friend. Approach. Yeah, man, they exist. They do, they do exist, and uh, I I only see like one at a time. It doesn't bother me too much. I mean, you know, is that I guess it's not exactly yeah. pleasant. I, I guess you're not filled with insatiable hunger, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Vegan. Um, no, you know what's what's funny is that most uh, most of the pests that I get are actually stink bugs, because they uh they enjoy uh fruit and leaf and leaf juice. Huh. Uh, and they're they're not really that big of a problem. Like I, mosquitoes leave me alone, for the most part. Dude, that's messed up. It's messed up. Yeah, mosquitoes absolutely demolish me. <laughs> I, I th- I'm pretty sure like 
you know, because of how prominent animal agriculture is, you know, in, in America and its history, United States and its history, um, like it's, it's just mosquitoes grew up feeding on uh, people who who sustain on, you know, like animals. Right. So I feel like most of those mosquitoes are that are alive today are primed for that uh, type of sustenance. Because, I mean, you know, that's, that's all like evolution works, you know, something that's working a particular way for this thing and you're alive and you're able to reproduce that you're you're going to reproduce genes that are derived from your genes and so what you're able to live off of those genes will have on top of the natural variants of the mm -hmm. universe because you know anytime you produce a unit or anytime a unit is produced there's it's going to vary from where it was produced from so like you know we call those mutations well, when it comes to like bio biology and organisms re reproducing or whatever, so yeah, that that's that. I I think uh, evolution itself is fascinating. Um, I also, you know, I I have what I would think this is this interesting idea. Of course, Kobe thinks that idea Kobe made is interesting, <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, but the the idea that evolution and you know God creating something. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Like, I think, you know, you can believe in creationism as well as scientific evolution. Well, sure. And but that, that also depends on how fundamental your belief in either or is. Yeah, you know, it, it if, depends if on, if the, on the details, right? Yeah. Like, how many, what kind of details you attach to it and whether or not they conflict with details that other people agree on. Yeah, you know, if you're, like, a theological literalist, I don't think that evolution is going to jive well with you but you know in the same way if if you're it's all darwin's fault yeah if, <laughs> if you're if you're say like you know only what i observe or what can be scientifically observed uh is believable mm -hmm. i don't think that you're ever going to believe in religion because yeah well, fa faith because it's because it's the whole when, when it when it when it becomes observable then it's not religion anymore <laughs> Maybe I mean, but you can you can make a religion on anything though. Um. What? Okay. So, I, I aspire to kind of bring together the world of ideas, and it's like, well, what does that mean? Like, we live in a world where all kinds of things exist, including things that seem to contradict other other things in 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 some ways, and and some of the things that contradict seem to be. Uh, like real things that we ground our reality on. So when mm -hmm. they contradict with other grounding, obviously that would create that's that's a type of paradox, right? So you, so I my my opinion is that um I think if we have conflicting ground here, then you know that's something that needs to be resolved because the truth is like everything exists in this world, like all of it like it, it, uh, and, and if you are someone that says that something else doesn't exist uh, and it can be a belief right if you if you believe that another belief is not possible well why is it there so if you're somebody that cares about precision and truth then there has to be some way to explain that so I guess all this to say is that I, I strive to reach for like ever closer to that truth I don't think it's something that we could ever arrive at because I think anytime you try to single in on a certain point it's always approaching like that's just like that's how it is in math that's how it is 
you know, when you're trying to figure something out, like there's always, you can always be more accurate. So basically mm-hmm. you can get to 99.99999% accuracy um, or, uh, you know, and, 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 then, and then certain like collapse functions, like you can only ever approach zero, but never reach zero, mm. you know? So like basically all that is to say that everything in reality is about how precise do you want to be? Right. So I call truth a precision function. Um, and we should, I think we should all consider truth a function rather than a result. Cause well, okay. Truth can be a result, but rather than an absolute, because the, I think the only thing absolute in this world is that things will change is that there will be motion. I think that's the only thing that is absolute and everything else. Like you try to settle on an idea. Well, what happens when the language changes? What happens, um, you know, if the things identify within an idea now identifies something else, mm-hmm. okay, what's well, moved. So you can't keep it in the same spot because it won't be true anymore. So the only way for it to be absolute is if you just acknowledge it as something that is in motion that changes and evolves over time. That's, you know, so, and, and this goes with a, a kind of like static thinking uh, versus, you know, kind of what I guess dynamic thinking, what everybody does. Everybody does both. Mm-hmm. You know, static is what I said when you set an idea on a particular way of identifying it. And then dynamic is if, if you let it be flexible, right? Um, but there's always a balance because, you know, there's no information in saying that everything is everything. Right. <laughs> there's no, you can't, like, figure anything out from that point. Um, so this is where we agree that we identify things as a certain way. And so, like, you know, when I talk about creationism and evolution uh, not being mutually exclusive, that they can exist in the same space, um, you know, like, there, like I, I feel like we have to recognize that there are certain ways we under- that we, as different people, understand the world. And, like, we have to recognize that those differences are going to be there. And if you have an absolute truth that classes with another absolute truth, I think simple fact is it's not an absolute because it's two different values mm-hmm. so there there is only, i guess i guess you can really say there is only absolute in being individual um because there's always something that is and when you have something that is it's in reference to what is not right so you know th- that there's always going to be like a a, a a sort of duo like a, a two and I think that's I think that's how our brain works. I don't think it's representative of anything fundamental in the universe. I think it's just we evolved to kind of <laughs> here I am like using this um uh convention, but it's just how our brain is that we identify something that is and there's something we identify this and we identify that. Um but the fundamentals of the universe is that it's just kind of like, you know, even when you go into like math and you study like, you know, quantum, we notice like superpositions. Mhm whatever meaning meaning that it's like it's just in a it, it's in a wave state until you collapse the wave and then it's like one one uh measurement or the other measurement you know so you know that has a bunch of different names and it's also like you know like something is in every state until you observe it and then it's in one state or the other uh i don't i i end up in these like weird places <laughs> because <laughs> i just keep following the tangent um i you know i i did want to continue this the uh this rabbit hole we're going on about uh like sort of like horror Mm -hmm. like okay i think you gave somewhat somewhat of an answer 
but like can we pin down what our fascination with it is Cause you you cause you you mentioned what like one answer with when it comes to films and and stories uh you know like dark and horrific films and stories or whatever that i didn't mean to like put it down like that um it's about you know something that connects with us mm-hmm. uh but overall like where do you think that fascination with the her- with horror comes from well you know i i don't think that there's like a 100% definitive answer for that i think mm-hmm. a lot of that depend- depends on the individual the context that they're seeing it in what that sort of shocking disturbing horrific content is trying to say if it's trying to say anything at all well, what um, do you find interesting about it well so you know like a gore video i think there's uh like this interest in seeing uh, what's in the shadows like what you yeah what, normally see what what horrible thing can happen to you you know like the morbid curiosity mm. um you know like uh, how how a body can be pushed can be broken down uh you know because mm. because those you know not all horror are videos normal. are videos of people dying some some of them are incredibly horrific but those people survive make a f- make a relatively full recovery mm. like um um and some of them don't you know uh you ever watched a thousand ways to die yes that was something i watched when i was a kid and apparently the very first episode the first episode was kind of like it's it, visually it's more lame than the other episodes because they mm-hmm. get you know kind of crazy and out there with it uh not to mention you know they they put you know very skimpy women on there or whatever oh yeah um, it's because it was on spike tv <laughs> <laughs> but the the first episode covered a story of this guy is a real story and it had real footage and they had to blur it out because it was real mm-hmm. um he was bifurcated i love saying that word like bifurcated but anyways like okay, sounds like, like a fake word <laughs> uh but cut like okay so cut in half by a train mm-hmm. you know for, like at the waist um so you know like organs spilling out and he was alive for six hours yeah um unfortunately he passed away at the hospital um but i remember like i was little and i was like seeing that i was like he lived for six hours like yeah. what um and it reminds me I was, I was watching um an anime with my friend there's this character that that got you know split like that, and uh, and he he went on like this he went on like two different monologues and gave like all his power, you know, to like the main character or whatever, and uh, my my friend was like that's unrealistic like you can't like you know do all that while while you're, you know, because like he basically should have been dead or whatever, but then this reminded me of that thousand ways to die episode. I was like wait a minute that's kind of realistic, there's a dude that lived for six hours. I mean, yeah, I don't know, um, but. Yeah. All this, so so you curiosity. Know, that that you know, that, that's that's one facet of it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it is in you know, the the practical artisanship of it. I would say like practical like, artisanship, like a like a, like a like a gory movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like so you, being you, you able know, to there, create a, that image. Yeah, there there's um a certain amount of suspension of disbelief that has to go into watching a movie, mm-hmm. and. I, I would say usually you're not unaware that you're watching a movie. I, I you know maybe like something like August Underground where um, the whole production of it is made to look like it's you know a serial killer's personal masturbatory aid or something like that. 
Um, what is, oh, you you mean but, like uh, what does that mean exactly? So like, so um, like a serial uh, killer. Uh, so so where the film kind of appeals to serial killers more than it appeals to. No. Um. So, August Underground is what's called a pseudo snuff film, um, mm. which is uh they're they're produced as like a depiction of snuff. Mm. You know, um, think your Flowers of Flesh and Blood, uh, Philosophy of a Knife, that kind of thing. Um, but what what makes August Underground, I would say, particularly unique is that um, it's it's all filmed with um, a vintage uh, camcorder uh, from the perspective of a singular serial killer's experience. Um, very, very much like like home recording style mm. so it's it um fred vocal the creator has gone on record saying it was made um so that he could slip it into dvds at like walmart and stuff like that <laughs> and people would stumble upon it and find it as uh like the shocking thing like oh crap i just found like this real serial killer video mm. um but then, kind of cool, Mark. But then, nine eleven happened, oh. and so he was like, mm, "Maybe I should not <laughs> do that." That, that. that that really threw a wrench in traumatic media, yeah. huh? But um, from what I understand, the first movie, interesting as like uh, this this piece of of production work, but not a good watch. Like, it's a lot of people have said it's kind of boring. Mm. Um, Is it boring? I haven't watched it yet, yet, but yeah. I, I do plan to. Um, but I have also been told that Mortem, the, the sequel, is actually pretty decent. Hmm. Um, it's always nice to hear that a sequel is decent. Yeah, well, they had a higher budget, um, but also uh, it depicted a lot more extreme content. Mm. Um, but so production is another aside. I would say the message that it sends. Um, so, um, you know, leaving the world of uh, film and entering the world of high art, as mm. they call it, um, there was um, post-World War II in Vienna, you know, uh, there there was uh, this troupe of artists, performance artists, called um, the Viennese Actionists, who, um, you know, want, wanted to kind of force uh, their regional politics to acknowledge and uh, not look away from the horrors that they, as Germans, had committed during World War II. Mm. You know, when, when most of German society was trying to rebuild, trying to move past, you know, the this... Uh, Right, so so it's kind of like a, thing. A, a never forget message. Yeah, and the way that they went about it, I w- I would say not necessarily the best, but you know in they w- they they way, were like, they uh, were um like may- maybe it was it could have been problematic for the people affected directly affected. No, so um you know they were doing things like having blood orgies. Um. What? Uh. One. One of them. That sounds more masturbatory than like actually. <laughs> well. Uh. One of them did. M- 
smear his own feces on his face, masturbate in front of a Capitol building while singing the national anthem. Is he um, okay? Where is he at today? Uh, jail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. Um, you know, what did th- uh, did there, there was like live slaughtering of animals. Um, you said this happened in Vienna? Yeah, this happened in Vienna. Um, Where's Vienna? So I'm like really stupid and slow sometimes. Germany. <laughs> I think you did mention that. Um, Vienna, Germany. I'm keeping that in, by the way. I want everybody to know like when I'm educated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there there was also, I would say, a pretty powerful piece where, um, you know, these nude figures were, were struggling in, um, like, unset plaster. And just, like, as it was setting, you know, they were, like, being frozen in time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, that was powerful. But, uh, you know, they also did things like life, life slaughtering of animals, which I would say is... Um, the most unnecessarily unnecessary of of their pieces i would yeah, say it, like, it, in it, a way it gets the point across but it also side skirts it by virtue of how shocking it is yeah i mean it, it it's like uh i mean it's like advocating against civil war by like beating the shit out of your neighbor or something yeah. like that um yeah i i think there is a way that um the message gets lost in the delivery mm. um and it, you know it's it's why i don't like a serbian film too much you know mm. um it, you, you think it might have been too gratuitous is the word there right yeah uh, uh maybe maybe it, was, maybe it was too glorified yes um also just the message wasn't very clear you mm. know the there you know there's it, it's so a lot of disturbing movies um are are about the uh, the porn to snuff pipeline, um, which is to say, um, you do porn long enough, you will inevitably end up being somehow involved in the production of a snuff movie. Really? Um, which is not true. <laughs> as well, as someone who has, I, I could see some. This is as a lay person in the comment, someone who's not in the community. I can see that there might be some bridges there. Being that you know, it, I mean, production of film, um, they're both taboo things, and oftentimes, like, there's also like the overlap of people who are into porn and into snuff. So while I wouldn't say it directly leads to that, I could say as a layperson that I can understand bridging connotations. Yeah. Um. So, the official stance of all government agencies is that true snuff films as far as we're aware don't exist uh snuff of course they have to tell the public that well no um no (laughs) so for something to qualify as a snuff film it has to be produced for the explicit use of um uh monetary consumption um so So, someone has to be killed on camera yeah can you define snuff Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I don't. Um. So for it. it to be snuff, someone has to be killed on camera, mm-hmm. specifically, so that they can sell the product. Mm. Um, and as far as we're aware, that hasn't happened. You know, there there's like myths of of like the dark web red red rooms where someone uh like like it's a live stream chat room where people who who have lots of money pay to see horrible things happen to these people in red rooms mm. 
from what I understand, I, that's not possible. Uh, Tor browsers um, do not have the bandwidth capability to do that. But um, also, it's really stupid. <laughs> like, like I don't think most people would do that. Um, there have been cases. Um, I can where imagine someone... somebody in, in a completely different culture, um, like a culture that's so. Di- I mean, I don't. I would never understand. I agree with you that I think it is like utterly pointless like to like that it is stupid you know so i would agree with you there but like you know if i imagine a culture that's just totally different so there's, there's other cultures that will glorify execution of prisoners for instance yeah um so, like I but think, but that's not made for the express use of cell you know that think some of them are some of them are sold but that's not why they're made okay like um those are made a as presumption. an intent yeah, those are made as an intimidation thing. Mm. Same with uh, cartel videos. You know, that's yeah. that's made to send a specific message. That makes sense. Um, you know, or or like um, like um, say uh, in Russia, the the people who made the two guys or three guys one hammer video. I, I um, thought you were about to say like two guys one cup or something like that. No, uh, what is three guys one hammer? What is that? Um, so there were two serial killers in, in Russia that would find like lone individuals that they felt were weaker than them. Mm. Um, they would overpower them, bring them into the woods, bludgeon them to death. And um That's a rough way to go. Yeah. And um they leaked one of the videos because um, they would video it each time. Mm. But um they they leaked one of them onto the internet. And in later interviews said that they planned on selling other ones. But they didn't record these videos with the intention of selling them. This was something that they did to document um, their their cravings. Does, um, it, does the semantics matter at that point? Because, I mean... Yes. Yes, um, yes because um, uh, serial killers um, like to create artifacts or trophies. Mm. Um some of them will will take memorabilia from, say, like the person that they're killing. Um, others will take videos and then watch those videos later and uh, relive their fantasies through them. So, so um, this is somewhat analogous to a hunter that hunts for the trophy versus a hunter that hunts for selling, uh, you know, the 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 meat that they butcher. Yes. Um. In some ways, but it's animal. more psychosocial, uh, psychosexual than that. Um, psychosexual, really? Yes, uh, there there is like a a certain like sexuality or sexual like craving to uh, murder for. Um, you, you know, I I've I've, I've heard well, so some something uh, that is, I think, apparent in the uh, sort of horror community people the people who love horror, right? Is that like slashers are somewhat sexual in nature you know because i i've heard the kind of i i would say a lot of slashers are actually framed as anti-sex psas yeah ironically so so there's but there's that there's also like something that i've heard that i'm just going to regurgitate things that i've heard at this point um is that like that there's sort of the the kind of like analogy that the killer often uses a phallic weapon to penetrate you know victims and that you know that there's some kind of parallel you can draw with uh you know it has like kind of a sexual tone to it so i think it's i think it's a, a little fascinating that connection you know like 
Why do you think that connection is there? Is it because they're both taboo, or do you think there's something more than just that? Um, that's part of it. I, I would say there is something inherent to, um, like, like violence and sexuality. Um, you do, know, do you think, I, I hate do you going... Think, do you think poop has... Do you think, do you think it's correlate? Do you think it has something to do with, like, the gross things that people can do? Well, I, I, I do think that's a possibility. Mm. But, um... I don't I don't know. I think it's more carnal than that. Um like it might have something to do with say survival, you know. Mm. Um like there there's two things we're driven to do is be violent in order to protect ourselves mm. and to have sex in order to procreate. Mm. Um but I I I would say um you know, Cronenberg um uh, this is the majority of his filmography is about the correlation between violence and sex. Um, whether it be crash, you know, uh, like people addicted to being in accidents because they get sexually aroused by them. Um, I've seen that on the internet before. It's, 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 uh, I, you know, I, I don't know what to do other than just kind of laugh. Cause it's, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a real thing though. Um, or, or like, um, his, his newest film, um, Crimes of the Future. Crimes of the Future. Which, um, you know, is about, um, a society, a post-pain society where Mm. we've stopped experiencing pain in the same way. And, uh, so surgery becomes the new sex. Mm. Um, this sounds like, oh, you've seen Hellraiser, right? Yes. Because Hellraiser is very good. Yeah, I I really like that movie. It, it, it what's so funny is I just realized is this very topic we're on was the story arc of Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Like I I just think that's interesting. Like you know, kind of the, um, I mean from like how pain and pleasure are like two sides of the same coin, uh, and you know the movie uh starts off with very lustfully and you know pleasure involved, and then you know you go through the arc and like it twists the reality into there being no difference between pain and pleasure. Uh, or even even goes further than that to make the argument that pleasure is the ult- is sort of the ultimatum, or pain is the ultimatum of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I said that correctly. But that's kind of what I drew from the movie, uh, at least in the story. I, you know, I'm not equating this with how the real world works or anything like that. Yeah, I, I would say there is like a certain release in pushing your limits. You know, that's why... So many people are into S and M, or um, what's S and M? Sure, I've heard it before, but yeah, bondage. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, um, um, or like pain play. A lot of people mm. are into knife play. Um, but going back to slashers, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, they equate violence to sexuality in a very different way. Where um. Um, it's more analogous than it is intertwined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It um it it's it's a moral conceit. So um the the vir- the virgin is the one that survives, you know? Mm. Um the 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 like couple, the teenage couple that sleeps um uh, outside of marriage together. Um they're the first ones to get killed. And it's very, very much a phallic penetration thing. Mm. Um, it, it almost always is like a penetration. You know, I think about like you know, Friday, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's 
I, I think that's interesting. Like, you know, the, the first couple to have sex out of wedlock, you know, often killed by penetration. You know, in a twisted sense of irony, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would say that's that that's that's there but it's not the focus of the story right um the the story but, but is that's why i think it's interesting because of its presence but it has nothing to do with the story that the art is trying to tell mm-hmm. like that's why i find it fascinating well i mean it, it does in a in a moral way you know the 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 mm-hmm. morally upstanding one is the one that survives right almost always so so do you think it's almost like uh encouraging people to you know do the right thing you know i'm putting this in quotes or whatever doing what's uh i don't know like living living the life of a saint because i feel like i feel like this this has some connection with religiosity um because if you look at i mean i I say that because you look at you know traditional religion and they all have something to say about sexuality uh, and copulation between people and sort of the bond that they share. Um, yeah. So do do you do you think that the this the moral story that you know slashers tell has you know something to do with the connection to re- religiosity? Um, I I would say partially. You know, the the most of the slasher movies. Um, were, were put out in the 80s. And um, at this time, we were at the height of satanic panic. Um, you know, religion, I would say, was coloring all, all of society mm. much heavier in America than it maybe is now. Uh, you know, that's contentious. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um, but but in, in a broader mainstream appeal, it, yeah. it had that. And, you know, it it also boils down to, like, our notions of good versus evil, you know. Um, I, I think that that trope exists um, outside of religion, but is very much colored by it. Um, you know, Star Wars, light and darkness. Mm. Um, this is something, I mean, humans have been telling fables about, uh, I mean, since since the beginning of recorded time. Yeah, and you know that, that's it's partly our our desire to see things in a binary, um, but it's it's also a way to drive the story. <laughs> I would say um, to make it very very hard line, easy to follow. Um, right. You know, and and uh, I, I say say like um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Hmm. Um, the 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 big evil bad guy uh i i believe canonically was supposed to be a pedophile um who uh freddy krueger right yeah freddy krueger yeah he he is he he is actually yeah he was written um as as a pedophile uh but it just it didn't make uh, any part of the script in the original movie uh, and they actually took that uh i guess you can call it cut content mm-hmm. and uh added that to uh the remake I you know it's funny I haven't seen a single one of these movies but I know just about everything about them because of Dead Meat which I mentioned earlier he covered like all those. Um, what can we take a moment so I can go use the bathroom? Yes, yes, because you know I just drink hell of beverage, dude. Uh, all right, uh, 
Oh my goodness gracious, I'm back after a bathroom break and I just shit your pants. Yeah, knocked over a bottle of water. W- water. Water. Um, yeah, so, so Pat, what was the theme of today? Theme of today? I guess Dark Heart. Yeah, Dark Heart, I like it. I, I like what we talked, what we talked about. Um... And I and I wouldn't have like a, a part two to a lot of these discussions okay. that, we, that we opened up, um, because I really think there are some things we mentioned that, you know, we could really have a whole episode about. By the way, so I, uh, I'm gonna take some time to maybe project, you know, some of my expectations for this thing that I'm doing here, you know, okay. the podcast, right? Uh, like, I think the audience has noticed that there's not much of a focus going on, yet, um. And I want to do episodes with a focus, um, especially about, you know, topics that are important to a particular community, uh, especially, you know, if, if I or, you know, a guest that I have on finds the topic interesting. I find pretty much anything interesting, though. Like, I, I love to hear about what what, what other people experience, um, and especially about things that I don't indulge in myself. Like, I wouldn't consider myself uh horror fanatic or or any of that stuff but i do appreciate it as art Mm -hmm. you know and i like i love learning about it and i love you know uh talking with people you know you know like you pet about about all this stuff because had i not had you know this conference had i not met you and not had these conversations about it like i would not be aware of this entire experience that could be had that's what i truly appreciate about life in general is that you know, uh, it's like just the ability to have experience with other people and like to go on that ride with them. And and I guess that's what that's what this podcast is going to be is about going on a journey. You know, uh, the first episode I publish is a solo ramble. And I think I might have made a couple of good good points but like uh, i think i was interesting a couple times mm-hmm. <laughs> but like it, you know there's almost kind of like a a loneliness like it was missing something you know and this is why i right. um i always love having i think having a conversation with you know with, with with a cool person is you know makes the the whole thing infinitely better you know okay yeah you sound like you jive with that yeah <laughs> i'm always down to come back nice i would love to have you back man uh, all right. So, what do you what do you think? What do you think is, is is something that we all need a little bit more in life? Yeah, just just like something small that we all need. Like anybody anybody listening to this? Uh, what a nebulous question. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so um, you okay? Say you're cooking a meal, right? You know what's like like salt like meal needs salt to taste good. So like you know what's kind of like what what's the salt that we can all like have in our lives i mean i guess table salt counts but <laughs> um but when it comes to like mental food i would say leisure or leisure? the mm. the ability to acknowledge it um mm. I, so like it's okay to have rest days yes absolutely um and, and to you know see those as rest days as opposed to like um distraction from yeah distraction yeah exactly uh because then your your thoughts are on man i'm not being productive right now yeah um i definitely suffer that issue yeah and i do too but you know i also will 
mentally say, I need to get nothing done today. <laughs> or like think, oh man, I got nothing done today. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I and, and I have, uh, I, you know, I have friends that they have a specific day set aside where they they go nowhere Mm. they uh speak to no one (laughs) and it's 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 their leisure day they they the ultimate staycation um specifically i see it a lot in self-employed people um where they they need to make a day where you know their their office is in their home Mm. they need to make a day where they are metaphorically not going into the office right and and this is like uh something that's uh beneficial to mental health which you know circles the background to the opening yeah um it's kind of like i i feel like this episode of the podcast is like where you have like a like a bottle mm-hmm. and like like it's like a blue bottle but like the cap's like green <laughs> like you know so i mean you know it's a, it's a bottle with a cap all the same but like uh you know the this sort of like a uh, visual transition in the pot in this episode case, it's an audio transition, but the yeah. transition itself is kind of funny, you know, I, or different analogy. We have a box full of Lego pieces and we're trying to build a starship and a house out of them. <laughs> <laughs> what not a starship house, bro. I mean, you can live in a starship. Yeah. You can, you can fly in a house if your house is impressive enough. Yeah. If, if it has enough at- uh, balloons attached to it. Oh, I love that movie. That is such a good movie. Up. Yeah. I, uh... What's up, dude? (laughs) (laughs) I loved it the first time I saw it so much. Mm. I have not watched it since. should definitely watch it again. Yeah. I'll watch it with you. Oh. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, man. Shit. I I cussed. Oh, well. You know what? Swear words happen. Oh, well. Oh, well. It's okay. Like. Freak, dude. Dip. This man talking about are chips. You, are you mother freaking kidding me? <laughs> Shut the front door. Um, but yeah, so thanks to everybody for listening to this. Uh I appreciate the ears. I appreciate uh all the thoughts dedicated uh to you know um to the discussion and all the emotions felt. Well, if, I'm a dedicated thought, all. all right. That's good. Yeah. Oh. oh, I just caught what you said. You spelled thought wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Rage Shadow Legends. Yeah, I've never played that game. Me either. I never I don't will. think I will. Yeah. No, I'm the same. Um, they pro- I think they pay good money from what I hear. Yeah, well, because um, they they just pay you a flat rate. Mm. It's it's not dependent on whether or not people redeem your code. Well, you know, good thought. good for the people that are paid. I'll tell you yeah. what. I don't care much for the game, um, and, you know, I have no interest in playing it. I don't care when people advertise it, but I don't have hate. You know, it's like you advertise it to make money. It's crazy, like, when I look at, like, YouTube comments or, like, you know, forum board, and, and people are, uh, like, admonishing creators for advertising. Well, yeah. okay, but that's their, like, they need to make a livelihood. Yeah. You know? You can always just uh... – slide that time bar yeah past their <laughs> advertisement there's, there's that or or like me like when i'm well watching listen to advertise i just turn my brain off yeah or or like literally no w- w- i don't fully turn my brain off but, but something that's so funny 
is that like watching the wall is more interesting than watching like a, a like a random advert for me. Yeah, like, I I um I you know I I watch YouTube while I'm um like painting or drawing or something. Oh yeah, and yeah, um good. so like good background. whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, my my brain's actively um doing something else. That's so good. It's fine. It's good. It's good for brain to do things. I mean, brain work. Yeah. Brain brain work alive. Good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Well, I think it's uh it's about good enough to sign up for a close there. Y'all have a good night, a good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Have a good wherever you're at on the non non corporeal corporal temporal is time not non temporal or corporeal no corporeal is like physical yeah if you're a ghost and you're listening to this yeah yeah i mean well do ghosts listen or do they just kind of like are they the vibrations why are you looking at me like that that's that's the homework questions like are ghost vibrations and spoiler alert the answer is yes are ghost good vibrations by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. I love it. <laughs>